What do you think? I think we're dead meat. Real dead meat. You're dead meat! Go ahead and laugh, you guys. Find the final little glasses of business. You're dead meat. Welcome to the Ted Meat Podcast, your horror safe haven. I'm Chelsea. And I'm James. And we're married and we like to get scared together. We also have a dog We have now. a dog here now. Yeah. This is Molly. This is Molly. Hi, uh, Molly. Joining Lucy, who is fine uh, and making both our pets slang for drugs. Yep, Molly and Lucy. So that's a lot of fun. <laughs> it was not on purpose. Uh, today, we're talking about Scream 6, but this ain't going to be like a regular review episode. No, we've got fucking Radio Silence with yeah. us to talk all about it. What up, guys? <laughs> what up? Hey. Sorry for going? being here. I mean, thank you for being here. <laughs> or for, uh, thank you for having us. Yes, we've got uh, co-directors Tyler Gillette and Matt Bettinelli <laughs> open and executive producer Chad Villella. And uh, not your first appearance on the podcast, although a lot has changed since you guys were last here. Last one was that was it ready or not? It was kind of just was, a general like let's, let's get to know. Hang yeah, we kind of went through just all the general. But it was post yeah. ready or not mm-hmm. pre pre scream pre we knew about scream. I don't know if you had gotten inklings by then. I don't think so. for us too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, ready or not, did it, it like that's what led to scream right because of uh, the tone and everything, and because of Matt and, and Jamie. Yeah, Hi, Jamie. similar similar gang, same same producers. Same, well, same writer, producer, mm-hmm. same writer, not a producer, but yeah, Jamie and Guy teamed up to write this one. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was, it was James who like got the rights right through Project X for Scream, and then, uh, then was like writing the script and, and reached out to you guys to direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Project X guys had the, the their meeting with Spyglass, and they started talking about like properties that Spyglass had that they would like to be a part of. And I think Jamie right away just raised his hand and said, we would love to be able to do screen. Um, and William, uh, Paul and Jamie, you know, they developed it for a little bit. Uh, we found out Jamie was writing the script and we were just like so stoked that one of our friends was writing a screen movie. It was, it was kind of like surreal. We're like, oh my God, we're like the biggest fans. That, that'd be so cool um, to be able to write a screen movie. Um, yeah, and then <laughs> what else um a couple weeks later they kind of asked us to be a part of it and we were just like absolutely floored and that's been three years every day every minute of our lives for the last three years <laughs> so it was a studio thing you said it was spyglass kind of was like hey here's some properties that we have it i it's amazing how often i hear that from people who direct and are in the industry how Often there are studio meetings where they're like, here's our book of properties. Do any of these appeal to you? And you'd be, it's, yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. every meeting. It's it's like, uh, we love execs, but it sometimes feels like exec uh, shorthand for, I don't have anything, but yeah. if there's one of these 5,000 movies that's interesting to you, maybe... I don't know. Yeah, we'll fund it. Yeah. <laughs> spin, yeah. The, spin the IP wheel mm-hmm. and see what <laughs> what it lands on. And yeah, like you said, it's it's been three years since where it's just, I bet, yeah, Scream has just been your lives since then, huh? <laughs> like life life changing. It's been, it's been a dream. I mean, look, they're hard movies to make, I, you know, for a lot of reasons. I, I think maybe the biggest is just standing on the shoulders of, of those giants, Kevin and Wes, but um, it's been, it's been, like the honor of of our of our careers truly been incredible 
Yeah, I think you've done them right, you know? I, I Like I said, uh, when I reviewed Scream 5 recently on the Kill Count, it, it just feels like the original and, and really strikes that balance of horror and comedy. And then what I fucking love is how Scream 6 is the most different Scream movie <laughs> in the, the franchise. Because it's like, I love Scream. I love all the, the tropes and the beats that it hits. But, like, something different would be cool. And, and you gave it to us with Scream 6. I'm, is that something you guys set out to do after scream five where you like, okay, we've done the revitalization in a familiar way. Let's do something entirely different. Yeah. I would say that was a hundred percent of our kind of internal marching orders to ourselves. Yeah. Let's just, I mean, we had a joke. This is going to sound hokey, but our joke was risk it all. Mm-hmm. And actually I think it was a jingle that goes with that. I don't know if one of you want to do it. Oh yeah. I <laughs> stupidly said that during an interview pre Scream Six. I was like, well, you know, we just gotta like uh, risk it all and it's <laughs> And it's stopped. We gotta we risk it all. It. Oh, is that, is that <laughs> oh, <laughs> And it took us about two months to figure out we were doing like a Donna's ripoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Right, yeah. We could have done a song. But, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it really was the way we approached the whole thing. You know, Guy and Jamie, the same idea. Like, let's let's just make sure. And, and honestly, when we got on set with the cast, the cast kind of had the same the same vibe. It was like, let's just go make this one ours. Like, the group of the creative people working on this, let's, make, let's have 100% ownership over this one. Because it feels like that's what not only we all wanted creatively, but it also feels like, what Scream needs is it, it, it can't just be homage, 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 you know, I mean, we had to step in and we had to do that baton pass, which we had a great time and we loved, but there was something very freeing about the idea of like, all right, well, we ripped off the bandaid. Now let's yeah. just go have a good time with it. Yeah. We're also, I feel like during prep, you're never really sure, like if the thing is kind of working, you know, I mean, you feel you're only sort of trusting your intuition decision to decision, choice to choice. But I remember getting on set and I think it was Melissa was the first was the first cast member who was like, yo, this feels different in a good way. Like yeah. she, they were excited, but they, they, you know, having had the experience on five, I think we heard that from everybody who was returning that there was just like everybody, some, something, there was a different sort of energy to the, to the production. And I look, that starts with, you know, the script. Yeah, and I'm sure also the location change must have felt different because uh, Scream 5 was Wilmington, is that right, in North Carolina? That's correct. And yeah. This one you were in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. The old yeah. the old Canadian city as New York standby, the old Jason <laughs> Voorhees. <laughs> you guys mask it a lot better than, than they did with Vancouver. <laughs> Yeah, maybe in a weird way, it's like accidental homage that way too. We're yeah, filming well, I mean, in Canada. They have Jason takes Manhattan. That's right. The scene on the, on the boat. TV right. in yep. the opening. I love, <laughs> I love that because everyone's like, we got to have a Jason takes Manhattan nod. And I'm assuming as soon as it was set in New York, you guys thought the same thing. But we didn't know where that nod would be yeah. until very late in the edit. We joked. We had it like we have a a Google Doc for every project we do. That's just like a living, breathing document that changes all the time. And one of the notes that was on it always was like is there a place for a jason takes manhattan joke mm-hmm. and there never was it just never like found its way into the movie beyond obviously the broad concept mm-hmm. concept of in new york but uh we got we had that tv that tv had something our editor jay threw on for a while that was really good but we couldn't get the rights to it mm. and so we had paramount send us a list of all the movies they had the rights to and of course jason takes manhattan was on there and the second we saw it we were like 
Well, that'll be on the TV uh-huh. in the opening yeah. scene. Because <laughs> that's easier than having Ghostface punch someone's head off or like, like in that movie. Or like kick a boombox in Times Square. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Right. laughs> the, the, I mean, there are the establishing shots of New York. Uh, was was that all second unit? Was that just a day of shoots? Like what was all filmed actually in New York? There's a little licensed stuff that was just, you know. Oh, okay. We found the freshest, you know, Getty image, like mm-hmm. great Getty image stuff. God, I did. I feel, I feel ashamed to say that. No, no but that's uh, the yeah. thing. No, people don't mm-hmm. understand how often stock footage is used in films because like I remember movie yeah. TV show there was like a it. month ago, people were in a frenzy because there was a shot in the menu people figured out was stock footage. It's the very first shot of the movie. There's like, uh, it's like her fingers smoking a cigarette. That's not Annie Taylor Joy. That's really? stock footage. It's, it's crazy. Really? Yes. Amazing use fun, of stock footage. It's wow. so great. Fun stock, yeah. footage, uh, yeah. stock footage fact. In Ready or Not, there's a cutaway of the gears spinning inside mm-hmm. the dumbwaiter before Dora gets crushed. Mm-hmm. Those are actually the gears in Big Ben. Dora. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so it was all not stock footage, though. We went out to film it because we take our jobs seriously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but then there's some B-roll. We sent um, our our uh, DP Brett Jukowitz. He is he lives in New York. He lives in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and so because there were talks about like, oh, if we if we can save enough during production, like maybe we can do a little bit of a splinter unit out there and shoot some shots of you know melissa walking the streets never materialize because you never just end up, end up at the end of a shoot with a surplus of money mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um, but we knew that we could send brett out on halloween uh so so those there are a handful of street shots that he actually shot on the saturday before halloween right it was like yeah. almost yeah, it was the 29th it yeah lined up, it lined up with yeah. the actual timeline of of the movie um so there all of those b-roll shots the 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 street level B-roll shots are all shot in New York uh, last this last Halloween. How does that work in terms of this is such like a post brain <laughs> question, but like in terms of rights, if you have someone running around dressed as like I don't know Cuphead or something. like were they extras or oh oh are you talking about the costumes? Yeah themselves? yeah is that an issue? Yeah all the IP with the costumes because yeah, yeah. that's throughout the whole <laughs> movie with all the the characters that we see. We were told flat out there's no way that's happening. That was in the script. They get on the subway. It was vague throughout the script. And then on the subway, it was, they get on the subway and you see all of these horror icons mm-hmm. and yeah. from there. And we were told that that would not be able to happen because obviously rights issues, blah, blah, blah. And then we basically begged and begged, thought we had lost that battle. And then when we were a few weeks out from going into actual, you know, production, production, we heard, hey, legals approved it. You guys are good to go. They just wow. can't do the things that they're famous for. So Freddie can't, you know, use his glove. Oh, and like, okay. so once we got yeah, that. Was, marketing materials, right? That was the only other sort of stipulation is that you can't. But then they ended up using them on marketing mm-hmm. materials. Yeah, they were in the trying to use. Yeah, that was a whole teaser. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? We're not lawyers. That's the short right. version. Yeah. Yeah. We're not lawyers. But yeah. as soon as we found out we could actually do that, us and Avery and the costume department, just went to town with like how, how we can anything we want let's put it in the movie <laughs> like yeah so who do we got i know there's pinhead freddy i think michael and all jason all the big ones yeah uh, the Chucky, babadook is back there Ch- yeah babadook the, the shining twins the family from us family from us uh mojo jojo you guys told yes, me, us you to told look us to look for He's mojo like walking jojo up the stairs, yeah. little roger not yeah there. you got it yeah uh, the may mayflower uh queen from midsommar sean mm-hmm. from Shaun oh yep Dead. yep grudge Georgie from it. Yeah. Obviously, Samara Weaving's character from uh-huh. Ready or Not. Uh, with, uh, <laughs> Grace. Yeah, weird, Grace. Weird shared universe. 
for sure. I thought for a second I saw the guy from Tourist Trap, but I think it was just a guy in a That'd bucket be hat. So I was obscure. really excited. Uh, but <laughs> any any more obscure ones that we might have missed? We got Hot Rod in there. I thought I, thought so. I saw Hot Rod. Yeah, with like a. Wait, does he have a cape? Yeah, he's, he's, at the, uh, he's at the he's at the frat party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We we got a guy in a Dan Flash's Dan Flash's shirt really? at, the frat, <laughs> at the frat house. It's a very uh, yeah, very complicated, expensive, very complicated pattern. pattern. Very very expensive. There's a Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. Love Ooh, it. I missed Sonic. All right. Yeah, there's a there are two Tom Cruise references. Uh, there's a Maverick on the subway, and then Frankie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, he's risky is business. Is Tom right. Cruise in risky business. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote in my notes uh, that character. I didn't realize he was dressed as Tom Cruise until I think Mason says something about. Yeah, I think he says. Risky but business. I wrote like never trust someone not in a costume at a Halloween party. But uh, they realize you, have, you just have to pan down and see he's in socks to yeah. get that he's uh, okay. He's dressed up. <laughs> there's of course the night for murder party as well. I saw but, that on. Yeah. On tw- I think someone on Twitter mentioned that as a, a kind of a deep cut oh, movie okay. murder party. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, Ethan dressed as. Oh, nice, him, yeah. nice. There are so many. It's it's honestly hard to even. I th- I, I don't know how how big Avery's spreadsheet was, but it had to be. <laughs> There's a binder like that. 300 costumes. I believe it. I was <laughs> yeah. hoping yeah. we would see you guys dressed as your characters from VHS running around. Dude, that's what we wanted so much. What? But, almost. Almost. Are are those we costumes had, in there? Well, Tara is a pirate. Oh. And she's with uh she's with a nanny ham and and a, and military, a military guy, right? Oh my guy. god. A Unabomber because the Unabomber uh the actor who was supposed to play the Unabomber character got COVID, so they're with a fourth non VHS specific <laughs> costume. <laughs> oh my god. I'm so glad there was a nod to that in there. It's yeah, so... I didn't even put together that she's either. a pirate and that yeah. Cause we were like, maybe they'll be in there, but the fact that no, you made Jenna Ortega be your costume. Also, uh favorite little detail just because we have I don't know, just primal monkey brains uh tara saying that she's from michigan as her fake uh yeah as soon as she said that we were like yeah that's where we're from (laughs) also at one point she says i'm going to be right back is that was that intentionally written to be not be i'll be right back like she i'll be right back (laughs) yeah like she's already thinking about the fact that she lives in a horror movie it's like i know not to say Uh i'll be right back i'm going to be right back i mean unintentional but great catch yeah <laughs> that'll end up on imdb as an easter egg someone says is a fact yeah they just write it in hey, and yeah. like you can put you can put whatever you want on 20 there. out of 35 people found it helpful <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> how nuts was it for you guys when wednesday came out and got so big and you were like she's in our movie and she was in the previous one just like because i mean we've known jenna ortega for a while a bunch of people have she's mm-hmm. been doing this forever but i wasn't expecting that level of blow up from wednesday to just like go to a, another level you know that must have been so exciting to be like oh this is kind I think of we nabbed her before yeah, like yeah. free marketing <laughs> i don't think we had any idea wednesday was going to be such a hit and i think the effect it had on the movie is we had to pull back some of the wednesday easter eggs that we had put in it because we thought it was fun that jenna was playing wednesday so there's like some wednesday costumes and stuff mm-hmm. and then once it became a juggernaut we we're like oh this feels weird now weird. Yeah. yeah this is like self-congratulatory <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> too many easter eggs yeah. <laughs> but another small world is going to be incredible though on the first that. day of shooting on the last one like that we started we started five with the opening and there was all this all of these nerves you know first first screen movie for us 
oh, like iconic opening and mm-hmm. first take, we were like, fuck, we're in the presence of, of greatness. Mm-hmm. So we, whether we didn't obviously know it was going to be Wednesday, but I think we all sort of felt this inevitability for her that she was going to become a superstar. Yeah. She just has that, has that thing. She does. Yeah. There's just something about her that was like, wow, you seem wise beyond your years. And uh, yeah. just, yeah, just so natural. It's great. I just want to talk about horror movies with her. Because there was an interview with her the other day where she said she loves Deep Red. And I fucking love Deep Red. That's in like my top 10. She's got good taste. I know. It's so funny. When I covered Babysitter Killer Queen, her character is really into like older <clears throat> movies, like Rob Reiner movies and stuff. And I, I joked about how someone her age would but never know is. those movies. But she does. Mm-hmm. Like judging from the yeah. interviews I've seen with her, like she kind of is that character. She yeah. knows that stuff. She studies everything. I mean, she watches everything. She reads everything. She's like, she is, she is genuinely one of the greatest people we've got to meet in any kind of work, work environment. It's, she's a special person. I mean, yeah. the whole cast is so good. Oh and my gosh. They're all getting acclaim with these reviews. Yes. Everyone's so, so good yeah. in this core four. Um, Melissa is so fucking good in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Like the turn yes. that that character takes it also just, in retrospect, makes a lot of decisions and just little things that she does in five make sense. She's it's so good. Yeah, I feel like people were maybe comparing her too much to like Sydney, like her yeah. character to Sydney in mm-hmm. five, and uh, people weren't sure like how to take it. But I, I think I'm glad that she's getting recognition in six for like. There's such cool parts. There, there, there's such great like counterparts to each other because you have Nev who is kind of like a reluctant hero. Like mm-hmm. Nev, we just want her to have her her happy ending, right? <laughs> like she doesn't deserve any of this and she doesn't. Then you have like Melissa, you have Sam who like she says in this one, she kind of likes it. You yeah. know, <laughs> there's something really dark about her and yeah, that makes her such a fun counterpart to Sydney. Love hearing you. Love hearing you guys say yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, we were all obviously just aware of the a lot of the really shitty, negative, just bullshit that she was dealing with. You know, after the release of the last one, and I think we we always knew that there was so much more to do with that character, and that and we were hoping people would give give her a chance to like actually take like take the arc to its like to its next logical kind of step Mm. in in the evolution of who sam carpenter is and we're so fucking proud of melissa like i she just was she owns that role in a way that i mean we we, even on set we just like behind the monitors like oh my god this is electric like Mm -hmm. what a what a absolute juggernaut of a performance and we've seen a lot of that love we've seen a lot of people kind of walk back their shittiness which it feels really good like mm-hmm. it, it it feels like there's um there's been some redemption for that character and and it's nice to like see melissa getting the love that she that she really truly deserves and also melissa came to this one just to say it melissa came to this one to prove something and i think we mm-hmm. all felt it from day one it was like yeah and, you know, that was also some of that fell on us, that responsibility to not let, not drop that ball since we have to see the project all the way through. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it really held the whole movie together. Yeah. Is that scene where they're sitting around the table having that conversation, is that kind of like a, a nod to like the real life things going on where they're like, hey, I know that things are different for you than for us, but we all love you and we mm-hmm. all like know that you're great. Yeah. 
there were a couple moments where, you know, I think the movie, and I, it's part of what was so interesting about making this one so quickly on the heels of the last one that we were able to kind of have a little bit of a conversation about what was really still like very acute and very fresh yeah. for, for all the cast members and certainly for, for Melissa. And, and I think there was one other instance where it was like addressed even more explicitly and it felt a little bizarre. It felt like the movie was kind of reaching. Yeah. Like, it was outside of the, yeah. Outside of the, the guardrail a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that that, that line, the, you know, it just sucks to be this hated, like mm-hmm. what yeah. a fucking real raw um, and real and relatable thing at the end of the day. Um, and, and by the way, love that they all came to come together in that scene. Yeah. Right? That That's, that's such a, um, it's such a pivotal moment yeah it It really makes you care for the core four and then of course it kicks off one of the the most acclaimed of the many awesome action sequences in the movie uh i'm guessing that was also a thing where you guys were like oh scream five uh didn't have chase scenes and people called that out fine we'll give them a whole (laughs) 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 not gonna say that we weren't excited to do that yeah Yeah. that was definitely (laughs) let's just blow the roof off with this one you know (laughs) fuck it Man, this is the second week in a row we've had a conversation about just, it sucks when people are mean online. Everyone be nice. <laughs> yeah, you know? dude, it does suck. Stuff makes us cry. It does suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it We're sucks. Because it's real. It's yeah, real. it's and real. It, it, yeah. And people it's, don't, it's unfortunate. people think that if you work in the business that you don't, you don't see that stuff, that like you're so busy that your life like exists outside of those spaces mm-hmm. and it's just not it's just not true right and i look we understand that the kind of contract part of the contract of doing this is that you make things that create opinions yeah. right and and so you have to understand what that is to a certain extent there's a way to there's a way to be critical of something without being cruel and i think that the anonymity of those online spaces is uh it all steers cruel before it steers any before it steers constructive and that's just a sad fucking reality of yeah <laughs> where for, we're at <laughs> i forget who had just tweeted a few days ago uh but saying how like if you tag a filmmaker in your tweet when you <laughs> yeah. talk about how shitty their movie is like that sucks there's no need for that you can have your opinion but yeah. like one to get personal and mean about it sucks and then two if you're like literally trying to make that person see it by yeah, tagging yeah. them it's like what the fuck guys yeah. come on yeah no it's a modern day rotten vegetables yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's how you, you imagine it. like not liking something and reaching out and saying to the person that made it and being like fuck you how dare it like it's just such a great i don't know and it's so much easier now i kind of have more respect back when it was like you had to do like snail mail if you really wanted someone to <laughs> so know totally. how much you hated their yeah thing. you had to pay for postage to send uh-huh. that hate. yeah yeah <laughs> like, that i can respect at least a little bit you had to put in the work the tenacity yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, we mentioned Nev earlier, so definitely want to talk about that because, you know, if she's not in Scream 6, I think you handle the absence great. Uh, it's not smoothed over or ignored or like, oh, we're, we we don't need to address Sydney because, you know, we do. She's the She was the lifeblood of the Scream franchise. She's my favorite final girl ever, Sydney Prescott. Love her. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Can you guys talk about what happened, how you were feeling. Cause I know that a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but there were some people who don't necessarily understand how these behind the scenes conversations happen, who were like, 
messaging us because yes, they know that we're friends with you guys. People messaged us, and they were being like, like, "How dare my God, I, guys, like, why, why would you let Radio Silence do this to Nev?" Which is like a whole bunch of chains of incorrect assumptions about relationships. Right. How dare we've us. we've been blaming you guys too, just to be <laughs> yeah. Like, we should have stood up for her. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we asked a deputy I mean, to do a Kickstarter and they said no. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, to be honest, so much of that is also outside of our involvement. Yeah. At the end of the day, it really is. And I, you know, we've said this before. I hope it doesn't sound like a canned answer because it's really not. I mean, the reality is we genuinely love Nev. We had so much fun with her on the last one. She was so great to us. She was so welcoming. She was so kind. She was so helpful. She, like, she taught us what to do in a lot of this stuff, you know? Like, I'll never forget, like, the, the kitchen sequence. Guys, it's too much. It's it's way too much. You're going to hate yourself as in post. I promise you. She was 100% right. <laughs> we took that when we went and made this one. And we were like, we can't get stuck in that same thing again. Let's mm -hmm. make sure that what we're shooting is what we want in the movie, not the version that we're going to have to cut down. Obviously, you cut it down and all that. But, like, but all that to say, and Sydney also, our favorite final girl. Like, it's not, it's not lost on us how how important that character is to everybody in the scream you know family and 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 it was really hard for us it really was but the thing that i think made it okay for us personally is that nev was really kind about it and we had an open line of communication and we would talk on the phone and we zoomed a couple times about it and it was just really like none of this is personal let's keep this this is a business decision. And we were like, we respect it. And she was couldn't have been better, couldn't have been nicer about it. And so at the end of the day, we just made sure that when we went to make this movie, that we were able to kind of, you know, that's a large hole to fill yeah. because she's so great. And so we just wanted to make sure that we were able to do justice to these characters, the way that Wes and Kevin had done justice to, you know, the original three and four, Randy, you know, they always say three, but Anyways, and we really yeah. wanted to make sure that we were able to do that and that, that we were able to focus that time on these characters and that hopefully you walk away from this movie going, I fucking love the core four. They're my favorite characters now. I love them. Not like against, not like pitting any, it against any of the previous characters, but in this moment, our, if we do our jobs right, you walk out of this movie really excited to see what, you know, those two sibling sibling couples <laughs> that's not what you yeah. call <laughs> not weird but what those four characters are up to, you know? yeah no it, like the you worst thing we could have done was make a bad scream like that would have been the most disrespectful thing to make a bad scream movie mm -hmm. and then have there be no reason for it to continue at all like i you know that was the responsibility yeah and i think you know it, it sounds like at least on a personal level, it was handled in a way and definitely on a creative level in the film, it was handled in a way to where she could possibly come back for a Scream 7, which I think we're all crossing our fingers for because, uh, you know, and it made sense for her not to be around in this New York set. Story. Yeah, like what, what would, because then you have to think of, okay, why is she there? Yeah, you have to spend pages and right. screen time like yeah. bringing her back. And I, I right. the passing of the baton, you're right. I think that's one of the things that Scream 4 ostensibly set out to do, but then it killed all the new characters and you were still just left with the, the <laughs> final three. And with you guys, with Scream 5, you actually succeeded in establishing new characters who were likable, keeping them alive, and even, you know, killing off Dewey, our our, our main man Dewey, which, which hurts, but it does open up some space for these new characters. And I think that Scream 6 shows how wise of a decision that was because we, we fucking love the core four. I've seen a lot of praise for them 
uh, online, and I'm fine with all of them surviving their heinous attacks. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, yes, I had questions. I mean, I guess that's that's such a writing question, but I'm I'm assuming you guys are at least somewhat involved in you know decisions that large being made in terms of how many people are we keeping alive? Who do we? Yeah, yeah, we have a, we have that we had that conversation on this one too. I, I think. I think at the end of the day, it's kind of, you sort of decide early on, like what you want, how you want it to feel, right? How you want the movie to feel when you're, when you're leaving it. And I think for us, look, we're not going to, we're not going to lie and say that we think that like the injuries that people sustain, that it's totally logical that they survive. (laughs) But I think that for us, like you can make logical choices and you can make choices that feel that feel great. And sometimes those things intersect and are perfectly aligned. And sometimes they aren't. And I think for us, we never want the expense of how the movie feels. We never want to, we never want to, we don't want that to be at the expense. We don't want the logic to be at the expense of how it feels. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah. more important to us that you leave the movie feeling a certain way than the movie like is scientifically accurate. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not why we show up to <laughs> to be entertained in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And not lawyers, not scientists. <laughs> very, very true. Not, not doctors. And, yeah. And I think that we kept we kept talking about how, you know, in the first movie, the characters that you love survive it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of Tatum, who dies very, very graphically and tragically. But one of the reasons that movie's so rewatchable is because the fucking good guys make it out. There are a lot of survivors in that in that first movie. And we wanted that same feeling. We wanted people to leave the theater and be like, fuck yeah, like you can go through hell and come out the other side and and be okay. Like that was um it was just really, really valuable to to preserve that. Just to throw a little something in that too, you know, we we always shoot our like kill scenes to like a, a you know, to say a 10, and then we kind of find out where they land in edit, a lot of it. And you know, to to be really blunt, like with Mason, his, I mean, his, the first cut in the assembly we saw, it was like three times as much. I mean, it was oh, no. right 13 so stats or something, right? It was oh so God. much. It was 30. Uh, it was like a lot. But we, but we kept, and we bring it down and we put it back up. But it, the funny thing is too, it's, you know, there is the version that would be more grit, but we, and when you're in the, emotion of the movie going through it it's to what tyler's point of the feel in that version too you we when we tried the lesser version it's just not as impactful because i think we've all been desensitized in movies to where if someone just gets stabbed and dies okay mm-hmm. you have to see that that moment there and it has to you know it has to live within that kind of heightened reality we've set up it's a long way of saying it is it's we've we've tried the the less kill versions and then those moments just become sort of flaccid. You go like, oh, this is, I don't want reality. I want to live in this heightened world. You're saying with like these heightened characters. A version where Ma- uh, Mason just gets stabbed once and fall, like, yeah. doesn't have the same. There's yeah, like two stabs and he's dead. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and then it buys us the ending, but it made that moment a whole lot less impactful. And everything after that, that's a ripple effect that then becomes. Yeah. Iffy. Anyways, I mean, it's a constant conversation. We have it. Hey, I'm already gathering news stories of people surviving dozens of stab <laughs> attacks to to have the screenshots <laughs> up for when I cover Scream Six to be it like, hey, possible. it happens. It, it happens. Slender Man, that whole yeah. she survived. You know, 
But I don't think there was that, one like yesterday that was. I mean, again, we, nobody should be stabbed. Let's just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I also think that like we don't. I don't. We don't need movies to be a reflection of reality that that directly. Like yeah. if you want that, if you want like that, then you turn on the fucking news. Like you don't go to see a screen movie. Like it should be. Mm-hmm. It should be a little bit fantastical and a little bit soapy and and like defy defy logic to a certain extent. I think that that's. It's one of the reasons we love going to the theater and, and or live within its own logic that we've yeah yeah like yeah. Yeah. set its own rules <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah yeah Scream's always been if not like a, a tiny bit magical a little bit kind you know just ridiculous where mm-hmm. I mean sure. yeah Dewey yeah. survived all those stabs yeah Dewey has has survived yeah. um I I get you know what I kind of start have started calling Ghostface strength you know Ghostface <laughs> totally. no matter who it is yeah. yeah. They put yeah, on that costume and they are so fucking strong. And yeah, they're all kind of the same height, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's all a little bit magical. Oh yeah, who was uh who was the suit performer of Ghostface in this one? A guy named Max. Max. Stunt performer named Max. Yeah. And was it uh, just one? You just had one stunt performer for Ghostface the whole time or like ninety percent of it. Yeah, right. he was the main performer. And then at the end, when there are two ghost faces very specifically on camera, there's a second guy named Matthew who was this the slightly Slightly smaller mm-hmm. uh, than Max, um, that played the Quinn, Quinn the yeah. Quinn character. Yeah, I was in the mm-hmm. Stu, the Stu Mocker mask. But Max is, um, Max is a force, man. He is, he's he's a he's an actor turned stuntman. So there's like a real, um, there's a, a like a real performance in in the way that he approached things. And yeah. I remember having conversations uh, when we were first like shooting the first Ghostface, you know, sequences. And seeing Matt, how hard Max was going, and it was first like, oh, do we should we should we pull that yeah. back? Like, do we do we want to? Does it need to be more in the sort of lane of of the previous Ghost Faces? And there was just something so watchable and terrifying and magnetic about like seeing him go full force. And so we we very specifically not only didn't pull him back, but told him to like just fucking go for it. Like make you make the other cast members scared. Like mm-hmm. we want, we want these sequences to be, to feel really grounded and real, and and we designed all the sequences to 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 be as full action as possible. Like breakaway doors, dressers, all of that shit is like you know they're they're really going full full force in all of that stuff. I'm assuming in each scene, you guys have to know who is Ghostface in that particular moment, right? Yeah, for sure. Got to map that because that's a fun then, thing to go still, back and <laughs> right. kind of retroactively yeah. be like, okay, I think it would have been this person here because that wouldn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so you guys like have to know at least you know who each ghost face is. But we do have internal debates over it. Like, there's a few scenes where it could be you know one of two, and it's you know it's sort of dealer's choice a little bit. But sure. we we like to be on the same page about it. But we have those debates of will this have to be X, Y, and Z? And fun fact, Jack Champion actually was in the ghost face robe in the scene with Quinn when the, the off cam- her off camera kill. That's him oh, like when Danny sees him through her, the window. When Danny sees yeah and walks in the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And, and the airdrop <laughs> photo, right? The the airdrop that And the airdrop photo. That's Jack. Airdrop. Yeah. Oh, okay. And yeah, so in retrospect, is that just him like waiting for her to get off the phone with their dad to for them to like start? And he's just like impatiently waiting behind or do they know that Danny's like seeing them through the window? 
our whole backstory was that he was probably literally hiding in the closet while they were, you know, doing whatever they're doing. Oh, sure. And then, so it's like, it, it gets really twisted. The, yeah. the, the more you go down that hole, the darker it gets. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and would you, would you give Max different directions based on who you, I was going to ask that same thing, mask? like physically. Mm-hmm. Or was it just like, just be Ghostface? Yeah, just be Ghostface. Yeah. This is probably the least clumsy Ghostface out of all the movies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. And trip over a couch as he just fucking jumps over him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I did notice, and this is again like such a post production detail, but just the little kind of like effort noises Ghostface makes, like grunts and even just breathing. He sounds different in certain scenes depending. Like there is a scene where it has to be one of them, and you can tell he yeah. sounds a little different. Yeah, and I think it's such a neat detail. Love that. Yeah, we that's something that. We have Roger do an effort pass Ooh. in ADR for the entire the entire movie. Every mm-hmm. scene that Ghostface is in, Roger like basically does a live kind of effort pass, mm-hmm. and um, we have him do some kind of different pitches, and you know, and then we can kind of pick and choose and kind of calibrate how much or how little you want to hear, and then also just the kind of tone the tone of of the voice. And his effort pass just like he's watching Ghostface do these actions and, going, and is vocalizing uh, what yeah. he sees. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That exactly. makes sense. Just noises. It's one of the weirdest parts of doing voiceover, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to well, make sound Well, you guys got to real. meet Roger, right? You, uh, not you, in person, no, but we emailed email. him. Thank you so much for putting us in contact with him. People, so many comments saying that's the best to the numbers bit ever. It it just felt it felt cool writing uh, words for Ghostface and trying to like write like how Ghostface talks and sounds and then he nailed it of course obviously is oh man incredible. thank you so much so incredible that. I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for like what that character is like you know I, I because so much of it is seen but then you realize fuck man it is so much of what Ghostface is is that is that voice. And and the the playfulness, the menace, like it, yeah. he is a mm-hmm. true scary. talent. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is a like next level, next level scene. We know because we've tempted Ghostface lines using <laughs> our voices and we're <laughs> <laughs> right the fuck out of the movie. <laughs> Not great. Not great. <laughs> he's so sweet too because we were emailing him when we had both gotten COVID, and so he was just like giving us COVID advice I and know, being like, like, "Try Paxlovid." And we're like, "Thanks, Ghostface." Thank you, Ghostface. <laughs> yeah, he seems really sweet. <laughs> he's a sweetheart. Did you guys see your there? You have a couple little Easter eggy things. In we the saw movie. the VHS. We saw the VHS. It was so funny. The first time I did not notice mm-hmm. because I was just so excited to see the OG invasion of the body snatchers on the TVs. I'm just sitting there watching that. Completely miss the. Yeah, <laughs> I love that the therapist. Yeah, he's watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and then on his his TV stand, just the single VHS of dead meat. He's like, he's gonna watch that, and then he's gonna watch some podcasts and kill counts, and then he's, that's his night. Yeah. <laughs> It's also hilarious because it's if you just look at that scene, there's no dialogue. And so we thought it was so funny, almost to the point of too stupid to put in the movie. But the you're next, you're yeah, next, yeah. you're next. Literally the TV yelling at it. And then the other thing in that scene is your guys' VHS, dead meat. And we're like, we're just like double yeah. uh-huh. foreshadowing uh-huh. here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we love the uh, the nods to some of our favorite podcasts. Uh, last podcast, last podcast on, the on the left was, was in on there. there, and then we're we're good friends with the We Hate Movies boys, and uh, we, we were, were so excited to see them their posts. immediately. Yeah, we were like, you guys made it. Yeah. 
That also, also no dogs in space. Shout out to no dogs in space. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No, no but, uh, I'm not. One of the best music podcasts also on the Lost Podcast Network. Oh, okay. So good. We basically called up all of the podcasts we like. And we're like, hey, can we get shit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You guys or the production designer or... Uh... Oh, that was us. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's Ice Nine Kills on the fridge. Of course, Spencer. Yep. Yeah. Right. He was very yep. excited about That's, that. You guys uh, deserve credit for that being on there because we met Spencer at your wedding. Yeah, and then you went and, and did karaoke and... after. Yeah, you guys did karaoke I together. I have the most FOMO about yep. that. It's like, cool, we got married, but they did karaoke. <laughs> I know, that like, sounds a surreal so fun. night, guys. What a... That was a fun <laughs> night. Yeah. yeah. We got to have a makeup night. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, thank you for the special thanks in there oh, in the credits. Oh, like, man. We don't know what we did for it, but we'll take it. That'll be an idea. Well, you provided credit. the VHS. And then you guys are, there's yeah, a great moment of you on this, on the, the, um, the TV as well in the apartment scene. It's again, <laughs> a, like very blurry, sort of deep background. Oh, wait. But... I didn't see that. Oh, I wait, didn't what? either. Okay. So, in, in which yeah. scene is it? It's as Ghostface attacks in the apartment and Sam is gathering Annika and Mindy and they're running into the bedroom. Your it's it's very deep background, very blurry, but uh one of your shorts is playing on the Which one is <laughs> it? What'd you put, what'd you go with? Because we sent you a bunch. No, it was the one I think it was the a piece from the um the 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 financing the video you guys put together oh pregame, to... oh, pre-game? Yeah, oh my yeah, gosh yeah. Yeah. that's amazing well now, now we just have to see it a third time yeah no problem <laughs> yeah that's so great oh well thank you we took pictures of the screen um like absolute tourists we were so excited <laughs> yeah for the special place. Like, yeah ah, i gotta get it yeah awesome <laughs> oh my god sorry the dog is just like molly is this molly has been so good uh, it is Molly's first podcast. We just got her. We just brought her home two or three, like three weeks, weeks ago. ago yeah. uh, she's my dad's dog, and he's unable to to care yeah, for her. So now, we're so. taking care of her now. We've taken her in, and she's got all kinds of little outfits already. She does. Yeah, she's yeah. mostly sweet. She needs to be trained. <laughs> she needs to be trained. Yes. Yeah. Do Do the rest of you have dogs? I obviously see Tyler's dog. Mine's about my. I'm just mine's around here somewhere. I don't know what he's doing. What's What's their name? I've got two, I've got two cats. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have one right now. Yeah. Well, you have a kid, so soon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just got a kid. Dad, are you in the market? Yeah. You're looking for a pup. I I always am pushing for that. It might be after the next project when we get back for a little bit, um, so I can help train. Do you yeah. guys yeah. know what the next project is? Is it Escape from New York? Because I, I saw stuff about that, right? Was that real? It's real. Okay. That's not the next one, though. We have, we're going That's not the next one. Oh. Yeah, we're supposed to travel off to Ireland here in just, honestly, just a few weeks to start prep on oh, a, a Universal movie. Can yeah. you say anything more about it, or is that is that the extent a Universal movie? It is a, it is a kind of starts out as a crime thriller and it gets hijacked by a monster movie <laughs> okay nice. is this an ip that we'd be familiar with or is this an original thing but uh so is it not like a franchise of films then or is it just uh it is not it's kind of a it's sort of a new a new way into an old thing cool okay Ooh, i'm I'm just going to spend the rest of the day trying to puzzle out. I know. The fact that it's universal, I'm assuming right. it's one of those guys. It's, it, it's not Fast 11. It's, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
Yes. Okay. So you've got that uh, ahead, apparently. And then, yeah, Escape from New York. Uh, is that just something that you're attached to right now? Or is that... Uh, it's a deeper development process. We're still trying to crack the story and making sure, making sure those rights line up and stay in one place um, as, as it moves forward yeah. with the development. Obviously, it's, you know, we're masochists, right? Like going apparently. from Craven to Carpenter. But like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But honestly, there's no, no more fun sandbox to play in. And hopefully we... We keep it on track and, and we get it all sorted out with everybody. Have you met John? Have you talked to him? Not yet. Okay. That would be like one of the, yeah. We had an interview with him for Halloween Kills, I think. And uh, it was one of the most terrified. Oh my, I was so nervous. An interview. Cause like, you know, you hear that he's kind of ornery or that he, his deal is that he won't play the game or that he doesn't have Yeah, any he's not in... here to do like some like BS press or anything. Yeah, it was like Hugh he just wants on the to red hang out last night. Yeah. Just like, he's there to be real. And thankfully, I, I think we connected with him because he was so sweet. He and was really nice. Lovely, yeah. And we chatted about Detroit because he had Xbox. Part of, he, he, loves he loves video games. So. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, Crash Bandicoot. He loves Sonic. His... So yeah. you're a fan of oh. Sonic. <laughs> It's so great. He was very pleasant to talk to as long as I, I think as long as you're not trying to bullshit him. Uh, yeah. He has a very strong bullshit detector, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh-oh, we're yeah, doomed. That makes sense. We're fucking doomed. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you know, there was that article that I retweeted maybe a little too quickly uh, about Scream 7. <laughs> we got, look, we got very excited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's real or not, but you guys basically told us before we started filming that you don't really know too much about that or... That Same. remains the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't you know much. Yeah. They're going to yeah. make a seventh. Like, I, I don't I don't think, you know, off the heels of last weekend and how great this, you know, the experience was, there's another one, I'm sure, in the works. And Guy and Jamie are probably deep into the draft. We we know we know nothing about it. We know as much about it as everybody else. Would, would you be interested in doing it again, or are you ready to do other stuff? Or is it kind of up in the air? I mean, I think we'd always be interested in Scream. It's like we had a great time. Like these were both so much fun to make. Mm -hmm. You know, we love the cast. We love the, we love the franchise. Like, yeah, it'd be crazy to it'd be crazy to to not to not want to stay involved after how, yeah, awesome it's been. Yeah, and especially how awesome it did. The forty-four million opening weekend, biggest opening weekend of the franchise, already crazy. passed uh, Scream Four's entire domestic run in a single weekend. <laughs> Which is wow! Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I've, wow! I've been into the box office subreddit for the past year, so I've been mm -hmm. kind of uh, <laughs> figuring out the lingo and the the record stuff. But yeah, like I am uh, crossing my fingers for this to just continue to do well. I mean, great word of mouth, spring break coming up to help it out. Yeah. So wait, you mentioned that Guy and Jamie are working on a draft like right now. So is that always the case with these movies where you're not super involved from? the get-go like at the very early stages of of story and draft or is that just kind of the case for the upcoming one that's how it always the we've gotten both of the first drafts of the previous two screen movies at, at that point like a fully formed idea like here's the first draft like and and with screen this one because it was a crazy schedule we got an, i think an earlier draft than we normally would have got so there was still a lot that we all got to work on together which was really fun but on screen five i mean we were given a draft and it was like not that different from what we ended up shooting. I think it's by design too. I don't, you know, yeah. Specifically, I think Guy and Jamie want to 
they want to make sure that when they get a read that it's a really fresh read, right? Mm-hmm. It's how they sort of know whether something is working or not. Um, instead of just having an idea be kind of ambiguous and in development, they are, um, I think they made the right choice to sort of silo silo their process in an effort to to get a really clean reaction and response to it. Yeah, I can see how especially something like Scream, you could so easily have a too many cooks in the kitchen kind of Mm. thing where everyone wants to put their own little spin on it, especially when you start getting meta, then that's just so confusing. Well, you just don't ever know if things are working either. It's sort of the same for the edit for us, you know, Mm. like you live with a movie so many for so long and you see it so many times that you kind of become immune to its to its twists and it's and it's like it's charm, the things that are that are kind of at the end of the day, what people I think find really exciting and memorable for like we we you're just at some point you trust and you hope that that stuff is going to work and I think that's when you reach that point you know it's time to share it yeah with people and I think it's really probably the exact same for those dudes in the writing process mm-hmm. yeah on a and on a much uh lower stakes level that that's how I feel sometimes with like kill count editing where I'm like is this joke still funny like I'm not yeah laughing totally anymore, but mm-hmm. I remember yeah. thinking it was funny when I first wrote it I just kind of have to trust that initial reaction because that'll be most people's experience not the the seeing it a thousand times like I have do you show it to people before you like who 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 do you like rattle test it with before you release not as far as jokes and stuff go nothing I I have a group of uh, moderators who do a QC like a quality check on to make sure there aren't any mistakes factual or technical but as far as like the script goes I just uh, I do have writers who now do first passes usually but I don't really run it by anyone with uh hey is this funny I just yeah, yeah, yeah. myself at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to ask about Samara Weaving because I was that was gonna be my next question. Yeah, because yeah, obviously she's fucking incredible in everything, but in Ready or Not, I think was a, a great showcase for her. I think that and Mayhem are like the the two movies where it's like this is what Samara Weaving can fucking do. Mm-hmm. And I know that you guys wanted her for Scream Five. Was there a specific role, or was it just uh, you wanted her and then you found out early that she wasn't available? Yeah, I mean, she she was, I think, when we were first talking about it, she was the, we just wanted to make another movie with Tamara. It was like, anything, please be in a movie with, that we're making. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that didn't work out because she was shooting Non-Perfect Strangers. But in this one, the minute that we had all agreed, oh, she could be the l- opening, Laura, the opening character, we are like, yes, let's call her right now. And it it took all of a walk to dinner to call let her manager know, call her. She said, yep, don't care what I'm doing. I'll be on a plane to tell me when. <laughs> it, it was like a 20 minute, like full, yes, I'm in. That's awesome. I think that speaks highly to your set if she was so excited to do that. And I mean, you had Henry the best. coming back. So he obviously had a good experience. <laughs> Henry. Yeah. 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 Henry. I think the hard thing too, that we just like that, that Laura, that opening character, there's so little screen time. Like you have to, you have to fall in, in love with her and sympathize with her yeah. and, and mm-hmm. be charmed by her and also like have a sense of like feel a sense of depth in a matter of three, three to five minutes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that too was I think, you know, just making making her memorable, like letting her use her Australian accent. Yeah. You know, like I was Yeah, so we were both very just excited. Making yeah. it stand out and and kind of crackle in a way that that um only Samara can do like she's just so there's just something so watchable and alluring about about her on screen and 
we're so thrilled she came out. It was really, yeah, really fun. Just like hanging out with an old bud. <laughs> I had the exact same thought of like, one, the opening, it begins and we see her and I'm like, oh, fuck, R.I.P. Samara. Yeah, like, oh yeah. I love you so much, but you're not long for this world. But then just in her one scene, just all her little, her facial acting. Well, and that character too. And both times I, we, <laughs> yeah. we've seen it. Um, <laughs> it's gotten such big laughs. I feel like here in L.A. especially because it's such a film city. Um, that character, I, I swear to God, I have described this podcast the exact same way she talks about teaching this horror class, <laughs> down, even down to the point where she's like, oh my God, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> just stop talking. It's She just was so real. Oh my God. I felt seen. <laughs> you know, by the way, fun, fun little side note too, is that a lot of those little, exactly the stuff you're talking about, like that wasn't scripted. That was Samara being like, I want to make this character. I think she said to us, "This is the closest she's ever played to herself." Uh-huh. She's like, "I want her to just be like this nerdy, you know, like really own that, all that." And and she really like she brought it. Like those things, like when we were shooting it, like at the monitor, because we weren't expecting any of that. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun to see live, because you know that's and that's like a great actor where no matter what the little thing is, it surprises you, and you're like, "Oh, I love this person. They're so relatable." Yeah, excellent choice for a first kill, and uh, glad we got to hear her banshee scream, uh, even if not as as long or as frequent as in Ready or Not. There's still a little bit of it. Her <laughs> scream is <laughs> terrible context. God. That opening scene is so good, by the way. Like, what a fun kind of twist on that opening formula down to, I mean, when it doesn't cut yeah. after that what does he say he's like says, now, now i, I see, see red something yeah. red and it's like okay there's our scream intro and then it like, lingers and, and you're like wait what <laughs> it's so yeah. great yeah yeah that was scripted really beautifully too it's like very specifically is like but we don't cut to the title card yeah like it was like, yeah the, like the 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 sort of bottom kind of falls out of the movie there for a second and i think for us on our first read we were like oh fuck we're gonna follow the killer yeah yeah what is happening like what is this movie and i think that the risk that the that the opening takes you just know that the movie's gonna be a little bit subversive and weird and and different i mean that's that's the the heavy lifting of of pulling it off is Mm -hmm. setting up the permission for what the rest of the movie's gonna be yeah (laughs) that scene is another great roger scene too because in retrospect seeing it a second time and knowing who is under that ghost face mask in the beginning he giggles so much as that version of Ghostface. He's like nervously <laughs> laughing the entire time. He's just kind of like on the phone, just like he sounds <laughs> yeah. like kind of a excited kid. Yeah, you said you don't give direction to Mas- uh, Max, the Ghostface suit performer, b- different direction based on who uh, Ghostface is supposed to be. But for Roger, does he get different direction on um, like uh, maybe what he would know or his intonations based on who he's supposed to be? Yeah, a little bit. And he also, I think he he runs with it sometimes where he, because he knows. Like, I remember on the last one, we he was doing the Richie stuff. Remember mm-hmm. that, guys? Mm-hmm. With Jack's voice. Yeah. And we actually ended up the other way because we were like, it's you're doing too much Jack. Oh, like, okay. And we don't want it to sound like Jack. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I think he's so, because he's such a good actor, he's such a good performer, he's so aware of what he's embodying and then can run it through his filter. So, uh, you know, a lot of that... I mean, we're not involved and really it's like roger does stuff and we go 
fucking great. Mm -hmm. You know, it's he's a pro and he's been doing this voice specifically for so long now. And it's like, it's the same way with Courtney. It's like, she just, she can like just turn on that Gail Weathers thing. And you're like, what? Where'd that come from? It's amazing. Oh yeah. Courtney's a producer on this. Was she a producer on the last one? No. Okay. So yeah, like how, yeah, that must be wild how often do you work with Courtney or like in what capacity were you working with her on this and kind of a producer role I mean I I think that for us it was really just a a, a sign of love and and respect you know like six six movies like the crazy thing her coming out to you know run around a giant loft apartment and get those face and paper chasing out of all of them yeah I it was really just a you know so much love and respect for for Courtney and uh, the fact that she like invited us into this world with open arms is still just an insane it's an it's an insane thing we um she's just the best that shooting that sequence was I think that was probably the most challenging like those those like four splits were really were really really difficult really stressful it was a lot of action not a lot of time to shoot Mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, we had Roger call in and do do a bunch of that phone call with her live, which nice. is, um, you know, something he's done in the in, in all of the movies, all of the kind of pivotal phone calls in the movies. And um, that gave it a, a real specific energy. You know, Courtney had, has certainly met him, but has never had like a phone call with with Ghostface before. And yeah. so there was a lot about it that just felt like um, kinetic energy in it because it felt like we were doing something that I, I, six movies in, it's hard to find. To, it's hard to find new track with the character that's been in all six movies. And it was like, oh, fuck, this is like, what what a moment. What a moment this is going to be. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize she had never had a ghost face phone call until that moment. I think a lot of people, like in our, I think that first screening, we did like a press screening and I definitely could hear people like, oh, <laughs> you know, is that true? Is that wrong? <laughs> yeah, and uh, just before I forget, yeah, when you're talking about Roger and, and his delivery based on people when i was re-watching scream 5 the most recent time it really felt like ghostface the caller was a hardcore stab fan and got offended when the person didn't know stab or like got something wrong about it so in retrospect it's like oh yeah richie and amber would be annoyed at these these fucking oh yeah who don't know about their favorite franchise and that that's coming from roger and his delivery and it's it's just so yeah. satisfying to to see when you're re-watching it i think a lot of that's on the page too like a lot of that is credit, credit to the writing oh, okay, that the, cool. the intention is so crystal clear but i think roger roger knows what the target is and so what typically happens is it might minus the the moments where he's calling in and we're shooting that you know kind of live he will go off and he'll he'll give us a a run of every ghost face line, kind of three different levels, usually one kind of subdued, one kind of playful and menacing, and then one like sort of loud and and got mean. you like a fish. You like, yeah, I was one. just gonna say got you like a fish. Yeah. <laughs> and then we sort of pick and choose, pick and choose in the edit, and then Roger will typically watch it again, and then we can kind of start to calibrate it based on the energy of the scene. And and so so it goes through it goes through a few different a few different iterations, but um, he is, there isn't, there isn't a gear that he, that he doesn't do well. He's remarkable. That's interesting. I, I could be wrong, but I think Brad Dourif does a similar process with Chucky where mm-hmm. he records a pass and then watches it and sees how it goes. And then maybe makes some adjustments and re-records some lines. So 
I mean, both those, uh, they're two of my favorite horror franchises. They're the two with the, the continuity maintained throughout, and both of them have this iconic voice actor who's been yeah. with it since the start. And the voice is kind of part of the costume. Like, we, we sort of yeah. consider it consider it like the mask or the robe that, again, you when you put that on, you you become a thing. It's mm-hmm. not you underneath the thing quite quite as much as it is you sort of are almost imbued with this power, like you were saying. Yeah, Michelle. it's ghost face magic. something like, kind of real. magical yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah and yeah. Roger's voice is a huge part of that. Like, that it feels... It feels so strong and so capable and so smart and so ahead of and so ahead of the other the person on the other end of the phone. Yeah, if I heard myself sounding like that, I would also gain strength and yeah. <laughs> like Popeye eating spinach. Yeah. You're just like, oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, congrats, you guys. I'm so happy for all of you, and I'm happy we all finally got to do another podcast episode together. Yeah. Us too. I know the yeah, the like four minutes that we had uh during the junkets, I was like, it's already over. What? Yeah. It ended and Matt and I were turned to each other and we were like, that was sad, James. That was not that was not happy. That was not happy, James. That was sad, James. That was sick with COVID, didn't get to see yeah. the movie. James. Yeah, oh yeah. That that sucked. <laughs> but I know and like halfway through answering the first question, I get the little like one minute left. I'm like, no. So mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm glad you got happy James and uh also Chelsea and and Molly for a full yeah. on interview. Like this was great guys. Yeah. Thank you thank all you. so much. Oh, Let's guys. do karaoke yeah. sometime. Thank you so much guys. Yeah. Let's hear it. Yes. Right. Anytime. Please. Cool. That'd all be right. Great. Love you guys. All right. we'll love you guys. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Cool. Thank you, Radio Silence, for coming to join us. Uh, Thank you, Molly, for being somewhat well-behaved. I think Lucy was outside the door. Mm -hmm. And Molly was growling, so Uh, I had to go get her. Yeah, we're going to figure out a solution for this. Yeah, little puppy. (laughs) I know, you just wanted to get at that kitty cat. Oh, 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 Molly. She's almost fucking face-planted. Come here. Okay. Uh, yeah, today is Monday and we're going to go film the Dead Meat Horror Awards tonight. Yep, so, busy day today. Busy day. Keep an eye out for those on March 26th. I think around noon Pacific is when we're going to premiere the video, but you'll see. And we're super excited for that. Um, Scream will be, Scream is nominated for some stuff. Mm-hmm. So excited to, uh, God, I just fucking love those guys. They're I know, so cool. they're, they're great. So nice. They're such nice boys. I'm very happy for them. Nice boys. And they started on YouTube. Yeah. That's the best. I really hope they do end up going through with Escape from New York because I would like to play a Buckflower style like train <laughs> hobo in it, please. Yeah, I'm sure that's what people look at you and are like, that's our hobo. I just think of the scene. Oh, wait, you haven't seen it. There's know, a scene in like it. this theater where there's just like, it's this like hobo camp in there. And I, I say hope, not like it's a homeless, like, no, this is like a hobo camp. Like like, like the guy who lives on the train in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. With like, like the hole cartoon. in the shoe and the hat. Yeah. Top and of like, the hat that the, opens like yeah, a Yeah, the opener. gloves have like little holes in the <laughs> yeah. fingertips and there's a flower on a your hat. Bindle, yeah. yeah, it's great. <laughs> Love that movie. All right. All right. Uh, thanks, Gresso, for yeah, thank you, uh, Gressel. TDing this, even though he hasn't had a chance to see the movie yet. I think not everything. Not everything was spoiled. The only thing was Samara Weaving, which Okay, good. I'm yeah. glad Gressel. And I, th- there was the name of a ghost face said, but exactly. <laughs> so you're good. You're gravy. Good, yeah. good, good. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Again, thanks to Radio Silence for joining us. Hope you enjoyed this, not review, but more discussion of the Yeah, movie. maybe we can do like a review next week. Maybe. Uh, we got to do Skinamarink and we got to do Survivor. Survivor's back. Okay, so yeah. So next week, w- next week we're going to do Skinamarink because I really want to see it. Okay. 
and I want to talk about it. Okay. If, if we can talk about it for an hour. Yeah, still haven't seen it. Based on my understanding of it, it's it's kind of a mood piece. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and then, yeah, we'll do a Survivor. Those usually come at the end of They come Survivor like midway, but yeah, anyway. whatever. As long as it's Survivor season, you know, and we're in Survivor mode. Yeah, uh, I got to put together a cast. Yeah. For that. That's the hardest part, honestly, now at this point is coming up with casts. We'll stick Sully in there. Well, obviously Sully, because it's never Dully with Sully. Never Dully with from Sully. From Bones and all. All right. All right. Cool. Thank you all. Thanks, uh, everyone. Until next time, I'm... Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. It's, I, sorry, it's been a minute. Huh? Yeah. Uh, social media, Dead Meat James on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And I'm Carebeck, C-R-E-V-E-C-C on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want merch, DeadMeatStore.com. We're also work- working on a website. Yeah, we're working on a website. So hopefully that'll be launched uh, probably in a couple of months, but that'll be a nice one-stop location for everything. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Thank you, everyone. Until next week, I'm Chelsea. And I'm James. And this has been the Dead Meat Podcast. (laughs)